I warned you, Jesus was in one of those moods this morning. We're right in the middle of Luke's gospel, and we're kind of in this time when Jesus' anxiety and angst and discomfort is just spilling out onto the, to the pages, out of his teachings. And if the lives of the saints, if our lives are true, then we know that that discomfort spills even into us. Have you heard that reading before? Cheery, isn't it? (laughs) I've seen a couple of BuzzFeed articles lately entitled, Who Said It? Setting the words of Trump next to the words of Jesus with the sole satirical purpose of making it blatantly obvious that their words sound nothing alike. But this passage? This passage kind of sounds like something you'd hear at a Trump rally. It's unsettling, and it... And yet it falls in the lectionary every three years. It's one of those passages of the church um, of Luke that we don't skip over, although it always seems to fall on an August Sunday when everyone is on vacation. I think that was pretty purposeful. Um, And so it's quite possible that you've been going to church quite faithfully for quite some time now, and you've never heard this text. Well, now you've heard it. And you might have heard it in other places too. It's uh, kind of this springboard for this best-selling book from about three years ago. Have you seen this before? Maybe in Barnes & Noble, or you might have seen something about this book on a talk show or something. Uh, Well, this guy um, ends up on talk shows all the time, the author of this book, Reza Aslan. Uh, His book is entitled Zealot, and um, Aslan is trying to introduce or rather reintroduce us to the person of Jesus. Aslan, by the way, is not a Christian, though he did smoke some of that Christian fundamentalism in high school, and he tells us a little bit about that. But he has since given it all up and moved on and has taken up the task of reintroducing us to the person of Jesus. Now, the big notion behind this book, which is a good book, by the way, if you've never read it, I think it's well told and engaging historically, and he's a journalist, so I'm um, always intrigued by that. But the big notion of this book is that the church has preserved a Jesus as savior, the one, you know, who goes and finds the lost sheep and blesses the little children and uses beautiful table metaphors. You know, Jesus, the savior, the one we talk about here. But in the meantime, he would say we've lost the real Jesus of history. He distinguishes actually two separate Jesuses. There's Jesus the Nazarene. That's the one who walked and talked and cried and died. That's the real Jesus, according to him, the historical Jesus. And then there's the Jesus of the church, Jesus the Christ, who you can believe in if you want to, or you don't have to if you don't want to. It really doesn't matter to Aslan. But he's predominantly interested in the the Jesus of history. And to reintroduce us to the real Jesus, he uses this verse that we read today. Do you think I have come to bring peace on earth? I've not come to bring peace, but the sword, Jesus says. Aslan reminds us that Jesus was crucified, a point that he doesn't really argue with. He says that Roman documents corroborate that enough that he believes that actually did happen. Jesus was crucified by the empire, But the empire doesn't just crucify nice people. 
The church has been trying to clean Jesus up for 2,000 years, Aslan says, when actually Jesus wasn't that nice of a guy anyways. He, he was crucified because the Romans crucify thieves and bandits and zealots who tried to overthrow the government. And you can guess which one he believed Jesus was. The zealot. They don't just crucify nice guys. And Jesus was not a nice guy. And I would have to say on that point, Aslan is exactly right. Rome didn't just crucify nice guys, and Jesus is not just a nice guy who wants you to be a part of some warm and fuzzy family so that you can feel really good about yourself and your life and your faith, and then move on because Jesus is really just here to bless you and be your buddy. And buddy Jesus is not the Jesus we get in scripture or tradition. Aslan's exactly right about that. Except where Aslan falls a bit short just like all those who have gone before him, because this historical Jesus project is nothing new. It's been about 150 years that people have been trying to make this argument. It was started up north, like northeast, as all historical projects are started, all these academic projects like this, trying to rediscover the historicity of Jesus. And where this project, and frankly, all projects of this sort, fall short is for the church for the saints, for those people who have tamed, obtained and retained the story of Jesus, there are not two Jesuses. Jesus the zealot is Jesus the savior. We don't know Jesus' salvation until we know Jesus' disruption. We can't distinguish between Jesus the disturber of the peace and Jesus the prince of peace. The early saints of the church would tell us that Jesus didn't come to bring peace to the world, but rather Jesus came to rip this world to pieces and give us a new world, his world. And salvation begins when we cross that threshold with all the saints. A new survey came out about six months ago, and it has really says nothing new at all. And a new Pew Research study, and it says that really people go to church for one of two reasons, um, or the top two reasons are are these two. Why do Americans go to church? Why are they here? And people said the main two reasons was one, for spiritual growth, and two, to keep us grounded. And so to grow spiritually, to gain some kind of enlightenment— And to find some grounding, some terra firma within a quickly changing and moving landscape. And that sounds about right. I hear a lot of that. And if I could be honest, it scares me a bit when I hear people looking for these things from Jesus. Because in the back of my mind is the story we just read today. That you just can't stumble into the presence of Jesus and get peace. Jesus rips into your life and tears it apart and begins to give you a new life. And peace doesn't begin until that disruption has had its way with us. There is no peace with Jesus until Jesus has had his way with us. Which maybe is why the other thing that Pew Research put out also no surprise at all, is that less and less people are going to church these days to find their spirituality and their grounding. People are finally catching on. It took them 2,000 years, but we're finally catching on. Because, listen, if you want peace, 
Jesus just might not be your horse to bet on. A few days ago, I was up near Tyson's Corner dealing with my prescription and ordering new glasses, and there was this one shop, and I don't know what it was. It was new. I don't know if it was new or old, but it had wood and glass and stone and a waterfall with meditation music, and it just kind of lured me over to it. And there was a sign out front that said something like, Yoga, Sunday morning, 10 a.m., be here. And at first I was just totally annoyed because I knew some of you were going to be there and not here. But then I remembered what we were going to have to read today. And I thought, well, maybe I can't blame them. Because if what you're looking for is Zen or peace, yoga at Tyson's Corner is going to do it much better than Jesus. I didn't come to bring peace, Jesus said. I came to bring fire and a sword. Many churches and many pastors, we look at this yoga happening at the mall and we see people finding their, pl- their peace in these kind of ways and we get really nervous and we start making Jesus into what we think people want. What is it? You, you want more stuff? Jesus can do that for you. Come to church, walk out with our gadgets and our freebies. You want some spirituality, some peace? You, you want Jesus to be your personal savior? Sure, Jesus can do that. Just come to church. And in the meantime, we have lost this soul-searing, divisive, life-giving truth that Jesus is not just here to be a little bobblehead bobbing on the dashboard of your SUV, blessing our existence as we know it. No matter how much we want to make him that, Jesus is here to tear our world inside out until kingdom I didn't come to bring you peace, Jesus says. I came to bring you sword and fire. The last time I was on a plane heading to some church planting conference in the spring, I rented the movie 42. I believe it came out about three years ago. Uh, Has anybody seen it? Yeah, so it's the story of Jackie Robinson. I don't know if you know the story of Jackie Robinson. Not many of us were around at that point in time. Some of us might have been. But most of us probably have heard the story in some way. Jackie Robinson, the first African-American athlete to make his way into professional Major League Baseball. He played for the Brooklyn Dodgers. You know that story, right? All the hate and vitriol he faced and the way the league itself had to be absolutely torn apart to make that happen. People's presuppositions about what the game was, what America was, about who he was, about who they were, were absolutely torn to shreds. You know that story and how it just ripped our nation to the core and continues to this day to rip us and confound us and confront us. But what you may not know is that that story began with Jesus. There's a little throwaway line in the movie where the owner of the Brooklyn Dodgers, a guy named Wesley Rickey, says that the guy who's going to be the first African-American to play in Major League Baseball, this guy who's going to step into the game and rip it apart, rip apart the way America conflates white and nationalism and baseball, that guy has to be the right guy. It, It can't just be any guy. 
he goes down this list of people and he looks at them and says, nope, that's not the right one. Nope, that's not the right one. Nope, nope, not that one either. He finally comes to Jackie Robinson's name and says, I think, I think we've got our guy. And this little throwaway line in the movie, I'm a Methodist. He's a Methodist. God's a Methodist. We're going to be okay. <laughs> the backstory of this little throwaway line in the movie is that this disruptive work that began to bring life to our entire society began when Mr. Ricky, the owner, had breakfast with his Methodist pastor. That pastor asked him what he was going to do to help his organization confront the racism that was implicit within it. And that haunted him. It haunted him because he had in his experience and his formation here, another vision of what life could be like. Jesus kept disrupting his every move. I mean, how easy would it be to run the Dodgers and then retire and make lots of money until Jesus shows up and disrupts everything you had ever planned? Until Jesus shows up and inserts his agenda into your life, I did not come to bring peace. I came to bring a sword. In the movie, Ricky finds Jackie, who shares a common faith, a common formation. And later in this movie, he starts needling Jackie Robinson to see if, this, this, if he's actually the guy. He starts challenging him with awful, racist language. And so Jackie stands up and says, So you're looking for someone who doesn't have the guts to fight back. Is that what I hear you saying? And Ricky says, no, 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 I'm looking for someone who has the guts not to fight back, like our Savior. That's the disruptive peace that Jesus brings. That's how this sword cuts to the quick until we come alive, making his life ours, his agenda ours, his world ours, his kingdom ours. And saints, there will be no peace for you or for us until his kingdom comes on earth as it is in heaven. The last kind of biting words that Jesus gives us in this gospel today is this. You hypocrites, you can read the weather, you know it's going to happen outside, but you can't read the times. In retrospect, it's really easy to see God's justice coming through Jackie Robinson. In hindsight, that's easy, that's obvious. When we turn on the TV now, though, why is it that God's justice isn't obvious to us now? Is it over? Is justice and all the isms that divide us, is it done? Is it over? Or shall we learn to read the times with a God who is still to this day disrupting the world as we know it, calling us to stay awake with him, and it begins here at this table in conversion.